Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging. Hey everyone, and welcome to Raising Parents, the Parenting Science Insights podcast, produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions of life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week, we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with the expert knowledge of professionals in the field. I'm your host, Dina Sargent. Now, let's get started. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode. Um, So we're talking about toilet training here today on parenting. Um, It's something that I know that we've gone through and we're always go through, whether it's ourselves as child or teaching our own children to to toilet train. Um, Apparently there is a huge way of doing it and there are so many different signs to be ready for it as well. I I didn't know that there was a sign to actually be ready for toilet training. I thought it was just something that just teach them slowly, but I'm really glad that I have Teresa Kamek here to join me and to help me talk about this a little bit more. Also to help me understand what what it all means and the fact that there are signs for it. So thank you, Teresa, for coming on and pretty much saving my life at this moment. Thank you for having me. Feel free, you can call me Terry as well. That's my nickname. Okay, perfect, Terry. That's amazing. Um, so do you mind telling me a little bit more about how you got into talking about toilet training and potty training and just a little bit more about it? So I think it really started with the pandemic. Um, We, you know, obviously, as you know, the whole world shut down and I used to do in-home therapy services. And so we had to come up with a way that how do we alter that and change that? So we moved to permanently virtual visits. Um, I'm currently a certified developmental therapist with the state of Illinois. And so what that means is I work with children um, with a birth to three population that have special needs and disabilities. And so I wanted to really kind of expand that practice. And I stumbled upon the Institute of Pediatric Sleep and Parenting. And with that program, they offer pediatric sleep um, consulting courses, which I did take, and also potty training consulting services. So I think that with the population I currently work with, potty training has always been a subject and a topic that parents consistently talk about, they have concerns with. And so I just wanted to educate my more and really expand my field to help better support the families that I work with. Well, it's it's amazing that there are, I didn't know that was always ever a toilet training consultant. And like, it's not a job that you hear about every day. So how did you get into just talking about that itself? Like from where you started off with and you just sort of got into it? Well, I found the program about two years ago, and I thought that just would be really cool. You know, I tried to support families as best as I could prior to finding out about the program, but I never really did that much research on it. So I feel like learning about this course and taking the courses, it's really helped to expand my horizon and just be more confident in talking to it with families. And especially, um, I have my own son now, he's 27 months, so that's definitely going to be an area. (laughs) be working on over the next couple months as well. And I think that once I go through that directly with my own family, again, we'll be be able to better help families with, okay, this is what my experience was. You know, what can I change to just to give more information to families? Yeah, no, I think it's, I think it's amazing. And congratulations on 27 months as well. (laughs) Um, so before we get started a little bit more about the topic, we'd love to get to know a little bit more about you as well. And we'd like to play this little icebreaker to get us started. Um, so just say the first thing that sort of comes to your mind when you hear these topics. Okay. So the, so the first one is your favorite book. 
So right now, my favorite book is I've Loved You Since Forever. Um, my son is really into reading. And so I spend a lot of my time reading more books that he's interested in. Um, the last couple of books that I read have either been potty training related or <laughs> sleep consulting related, or <laughs> parenting related. So um, that's just kind of I, I really enjoy reading books with my son with on his level. <laughs> No, like, I, I love that because it's so, it's like a relationship between the two of you and it starts off really well. And I remember my, my parents reading that and reading different books. And I think that relationship is always going to be one of the highlights of growing up as well, because reading is such an important thing between, and it's turned me into a huge reader. I don't know if that's got something to do with it, but it's definitely a starting off point for me. I agree. Yeah. With our local library um, over the summer program, my son filled out a chart with he would mark off every book that he read. And he's he actually read a thousand books before he turned the age of two. So that's something I'm very proud in. Wow. OK, that should that should definitely be award a Guinness World Record or <laughs> something, because that that's incredible. <laughs> so the next one is a favorite movie of yours. I am a sucker for the Green Mile. That movie makes me cry every time. And I think I can relate to the character because the character clearly has a developmental delay or disability. And because I work with that population, my heart goes out to him. Um, and just seeing that the characters in that time frame weren't educated, that there was something else going on with him. It just breaks my breaks my heart because I really want to try and advocate for that population. So that, that movie is always a tearjerker for me. No, I can definitely relate to that. I love that movie. I think that is something that I watch. My dad introduced me to that and it's become a great family favorite of it's not like a little playlist of what we do when we're feeling a little emotional and need something like that. So yes, I can definitely attest that that is an amazing movie and I can definitely see why it's your favorite. Uh, the next one is a favorite podcast of yours. So when I hear podcast, I think of the specific podcast, The Infertile Mafia. Um, unfortunately, I do have a history of infertility. And so this podcast was definitely a go-to for me during a really tough time in my life. Um, just being able to relate to other women, just hearing other women's stories and just making me feel, you know, as though I wasn't alone in, in that process. So I definitely am very grateful for that podcast. Well, that's, that's amazing. And it's amazing that there's a podcast out there that allows people to share different journeys and the different situations. So that's, that's definitely amazing. Um, the next one is a famous role model of yours. So I'm a huge Friends fan. <laughs> and so I, I just love Jennifer Aniston. Um, I feel like she's just such a go-getter and she's just this strong, independent woman. And I feel like she just resembles just really great confidence. And I just feel like I looked up to her growing up watching that show and just seeing her evolution of a character evolve over time. Um, I just feel like she does a lot of great work with the St. Jude's charity and things like that. So I definitely have a high, high level of respect for Jennifer Aniston. Well, that's great. I love, I, Friends is also one of my favorite shows. So <laughs> yes, I can definitely agree with that. <laughs> um, the last one is a course that you have currently recently completed. A course that I've recently completed would have been probably the with the Institute of Pediatric Sleep and Parenting. Um, mm -hmm. Those were two years years ago that I completed those courses. Um, currently, I have five different certifications. Um, well, I hold my master's degree. I have a master's of education specializing in early childhood special ed. And with my master's program, I was able to complete a certification as a developmental therapist with the state of Illinois. So I hold that certification. And then with the Institute of Pediatric Sleep and Parenting, I um, earned the certifications of potty training consultant, newborn sleep consultant, pediatric sleep consultant, and also baby sign language educator. Wow. That is, that is an amazing journey with a lot of different paths that you've 
sort of dived into and yeah that's that's so you're the definitely the perfect person to talk to today yeah it might seem like a lot of different paths but at the same time with child development they all kind of intertwine with each other which is why I really wanted to complete all the certifications is because that's all part of child development well that's that's perfect and you are definitely the person the reason that you were on the show (laughs) um So to talk about toilet training, and I love to start off with, everyone has a very diverse opinion as to what parenting is defined as. So how would you see the definition of parenting? Well, I think parenting to me is, well, first of all, I didn't think that I would be able to be a parent for a long time with my infertility history. Um, I always wanted to be a mom growing up. And then when I felt like that was taken away from me, it was very hard. So now that we have our son, you know, I parenting to me is just trying to be the best possible version of myself that I can be for him. I definitely want to try to strive to provide him positive examples for him. Um, I want to be there for him emotionally, physically, should he still need me, but also give him opportunities to try and be independent. I want to try and treat him as with respect, you know, as, you know, as a person, he's still a person just because he's my kid doesn't mean he doesn't deserve respect too. And my goal for that is that if he learns being treated with respect at home, he can treat others with respect outside of our home. Um, And I think parenting to me is also, you know, knowing it's okay to set those parent child boundaries, but know that he's also two and I'm one of his only friends right now, you know, me and his, his dad. Um, so I definitely uh, try and have that relationship with him. Yes, I'm your parent, but I also allow myself to be his friend too. Well, that is, that is an amazing definition, especially knowing that that is a deeply affecting the relationship between you and your son and, and how it sort of revolves around that. And it's, it's incredible. Everyone has a really good definition. Every time I come onto this, everyone's definition of parenting is so different. So I, I love, this is why I love this show and this is why I love doing it. Um, what do you think expectant parents need to be aware of in their transition to parenthood? I think what of one of the hardest transitions for me was being comfortable setting boundaries with others. Um, I've always been a people pleaser and it's been hard for me to say no. And I'm so grateful that my son unintentionally gave me the voice that I didn't know I had with setting boundaries. Um, I'm a very research-based parent and there are certain things I like to do as far as his schedule goes or his sleep schedule goes. I like to have a routine with him and some people in our lives didn't really agree with it or understand that initially. Um, some people challenged that <laughs> and there were some fights over it, but I stayed firm with my boundaries because that was important to me. And I feel like the people that push the hardest against your boundaries are the ones that probably need those boundaries the most. So I think, um, as far as new parents goes, just be confident in you, how you want to raise your child and know that not everyone's going to agree with it. And that's Okay. But just know that you're doing doing your best and for what you think your your child needs. No, I um, yeah, I I love that def- that way of doing it because I think boundaries are so important. Whether you're alone or whether you have family around, I think setting those boundaries with each individual person. And I agree for sure. Like the people that push your boundaries are the ones that need the boundaries the most. So yeah. I I definitely can agree with that. <laughs> so talking about toilet training um we love to start off with a definition of how what do you define as toilet training so toilet training to me is essentially training your child to use the toilet so sounds (laughs) self-explanatory right um and in the states we actually commonly call it as potty training as well so in advance, if you hear those that term from me, that's what we're used to calling it. Yeah. Um, as far as like the process goes, I I kind of look at toilet training to have a beginning, middle, and end. So 
the beginning to me is kind of a slow introduction about potty training, presenting some books to your child, reading some books about potty training during story time, um, getting a small potty that you put in the bathroom or getting a potty seat attachment that you put on your your uh, main main toilet. Those are different things to start introducing the potty training process. Also, getting your child engaged in the potty training routine. Do you want to come with mommy to, to the bathroom? Okay, um, my body says I have to pee. My body says I have to go poop. Those are all, to me, the beginning stages of the potty training process. So that usually starts a couple months before. Then the middle part of the potty training process to me is when you actually commit to, okay, no more diapers, no more pull-ups, whatever you're using. And we are fully committing to this new routine and full force potty training. And then the ending, in my opinion, would be that consistency piece, right? So you're being consistent with that routine and you're being consistent with your child about that. So then that helps make the potty training process the most successful. Okay. Well, it's amazing that they, there are so many different stages and there are stages to it, especially with the first stage. For me, it's always interesting to know when a child starts, when you start realizing that the child can sort of be influenced a little bit more to use the toilet and in the different ways. So how is toilet training connected to parenting? I think toilet training is connected to parenting because the parent has to be really in tune with their child's overall development. Like you said, really looking for their child's signs of readiness. Um, mm -hmm. And the family has to be willing to change with when their when their child is changing. You know, if their child's showing more signs and the parent has to say, okay, it's maybe time for us to change our routine to do something different if our child is ready, ready for it. Um, I think the parent has to be in tune with their own body and know that, yes, this might be a frustrating process for you at times, but you really have to be in check with your own regulation um, and know your child signs of what maybe they're feeling a little bit dysregulated. Okay, how can I work back to um, coming back in touch with where my child is emotionally right now? Mm -hmm. So you're talking about this. Is there a ideal age for toilet training or is it sort of just whenever the child, whenever you see the child feel ready? So I get this question a lot. So um, I can tell you what the average age in the States is that okay. um, parents start potty training. Do you want to take a guess, Dina? Is, is average age in the United States 27 <sighs> months, 18 months, or 32 months? What do you think? I think I'm going to guess uh, 32 months. So according to Johns Hopkins Medicine, the average age to start toilet training in the United States is actually 27 months. And oh, okay. to other sources um, between 24 and 36 months is the average age. So that doesn't really answer your question, but it's kind of, that's where the average is at. So yeah. for me, I prefer to look at child's readiness signs. To me, readiness signs will always be more important than the child's chronological age. Okay. So, for example, if the child is... So they can actually be ready before that time. They could be ready at 18 months or... Um, for example, is there a certain way... Like, for example, like when you're going through the process... Is there a, okay, first they're going to start crawling, then they start standing, and then they use the bathroom? Or is it sort of just the different stages at that time as well? Well, I mean, there's always a range when it comes to child's developmental milestones, right? Um, hmm. you know, a child might be crawling anywhere between eight and eight and 10 months. Um, you know, a child can start walking anywhere between nine and 15 months. So as far as that goes, there's always going to be a range with those developmental signs. I personally don't like the idea of toilet training a child under the age of two. Um, you gave the example of possibly 18 months. 18 months is usually about the time that the child is just starting to understand, okay, I can start holding 
holding my bowel movements or start holding my my urine. Um, so those cues are just starting to to emerge. So I think there's so many other milestones that a child can do before the age of two. So I I don't personally like toilet training under the age of two. Um, so some readiness signs that you can look for is, is your child engaged in your potty time routine or your bathroom routine? Can they sit for a few minutes at a time to attend to task? Do they have any, any language? Um, are they understanding some simple directions? Can they stay dry for two hour, two hour period? Um, is your child able to pull down their pants? Those are all some signs of readiness that not necessarily a child under the age of two has been able to master yet. Okay. So going into the importance of toilet training, why is it important that children be toilet trained in the process? I think it's important because it helps promote a child's sense of independence and it also really helps with their body awareness. So just teaching the child about what signs their body is telling them, what that might feels like, what that feels like. I think that's really important that, to help them understand what their body is feeling. Hmm. And going back and we're talking a little bit more about the signs of toilet training. You're talking about this three-step process and you're talking about the influences, like the very first step, for example, the child just, you're sort of influencing the child a little bit more to be aware that this can, this is your next, this is their next phase. Um, is there a way that, is there a sort of certain, um, certain steps that you're meant to go through in order to teach them to be ready? Sort of like following to the bathroom, for example, like you said a little earlier. Are there other steps that you can sort of do in order to promote it a little bit more to them? I think it comes down to that exposure piece and that consistency piece, right? So I think <laughs> consistency is so important with anything, whether it's you know, going to work out or wanting to lose weight or with potty training, if you're not consistent with something, then it's kind of hard to expect results. So I think parents um, and families just need to be more comfortable initiating that conversation with their kids um, and just doing it in an, in, in an age appropriate way or developmentally appropriately if the child does have a medical, de medical or developmental diagnosis, meaning the child where their needs are and educating them based on that child's level. Mm -hmm. And are there any sort of essential items or even equipment that can sort of help a parent teach the child to toilet train? Yeah, there's actually a lot of equipment that we can go over. I think books, we've already talked about them. I do have some book examples, if that's okay for me to go over with you. Yeah, go for it. Um, so if the families choose not to hire a potty training consultant, there are resources available for them. Um, this first book, Dean, I, I don't know if this will be able to be showed um, to everybody, but um, Brandy Brooks, Potty Training in Three Days. This is a good resource for families. Um, all of the books, I'm mo or most of the items I'm going to go over can be available on my website through affiliate links too. Um, okay. But this is a lot of general information for parents, um, just basic kind of language that they can use, signs to look for, and kind of what process is recommended. So um, Three Days Potty Training by Brandy Brooks is a good resource. Okay. There's also kids books available that we talked about. You can introduce during your child's um, bedtime or story time routine. This one, uh, Dino Potty <laughs> by Kids Books. It's really cute because it's a dinosaur going to the potty and it is rhyming. So yeah. one of the is when um, when I think I'm finished, I shout for dad or mom. They get me toilet paper so I can wipe my bum. <laughs> you know, they make it. You know, they make. So fun for kids now. Um, another book that I really like is called Diapers Are Not uh, Forever by Verdick. Mm -hmm. The reason I like this author so much is because the illustrations are so simple and the wording is very simple on the page. So if you have a child that gets really overstimulated, there's not too much going on with the illustrations. So that's really good. 
Um, as far as overstimulation goes, I do not recommend books that have flaps in them or books with buttons. Um, an mm-hmm. example is P is for Potty by Elmo. Um, the reason why is because kids just get so distracted looking at what's behind the flap (laughs) that they almost kind of forget about what the content is that the parent is trying to teach them. Same thing with books uh, that have buttons on them. Um, The child just gets focused. Oh, this button makes a sound. That's really cool. And then I forget about the content that's in there. (laughs) Um, One last book that I want to show you is We Poop on the Potty by Little Grasshopper Books. This is one of my favorite books. Um, We are very big on normalizing poop in our house. Um, I talk about poop with my son. I tell my son my body has to poop. Um, I asked my son if you want to flush the toilet with me. Um, Let's wave bye. Bye, pee. Bye, poop. And we normalize it a lot because that's a normal basic bodily function. And I think if it's not normalized, then kids are more likely to become embarrassed or ashamed if their body body does that. Um, So We Poop on the Potty is one of my favorite books. The only thing is, again, is if your child becomes visually overstimulated, there is a lot going on. But this book talks about different animals that poop. in the sea. Um, and then at the very, at the end of each page, it says I poop on the potty. So books are good to start that conversation. Um, some other equipment that you can get is a small potty seat and put the Mm -hmm. potty in the bathroom, or you can get an attachment for the bigger potty seat. And that way your child has an option. Do you want to sit on the big potty or the little potty? And then that way you're giving a child the choice and -hmm. it feels like they have a little bit of a sense of control in that. Um, some other equipment that you can have is you can talk with your family or your spouse about if you want to use a reward system, there's definitely pros and cons to using a reward system for sure. So sometimes with rewards, the child might, um, complete, be more motivated to complete the task because that reward is being provided. Um, um, it may make the process more fun and interactive for the child. Oh, I get a prize because I went on the potty, right? Yeah. Um, rewards can also reinforce a positive behavior and progress might happen faster too, because a reward is being provided. On the flip side, to take into consideration, there are some cons with using the reward system. Some cons include that the, a reward might be expected throughout other daily routines. Um, I got a reward for going to the bathroom. Why didn't I get a reward for doing X, Y, or Z, right? Um, another kind of the reward system is the child might feel a sense of anxiety or they might feel stressed out or the sense of being a failure because they weren't able to complete the uh, expected task. And so they didn't get a reward for it. So just some things to keep in mind if you do decide to use a reward system. I do encourage families to avoid using food products as a reward system because it can potentially create an unhealthy relationship with food. So example is if you're giving your child sweets or candy, you know, that might not be a healthy relationship or you're giving the child food when they might not necessarily be hungry. So just keep that in mind if you do decide to use a reward system. Mm -hmm. Um, Another piece of equipment or something to have handy could be underwear. Um, Getting your child engaged in picking out (laughs) what underwear they want can make them excited about the process. So the parents can choose two or three options and then let the child pick from those options. Um, I'm a huge advocate for choice making in child development because the parent is in control of which choices to provide the child, but then the child is in control of which one they want from those options. (laughs) So that gets them excited about that. And then one last thing that I can think of as far as having some stuff ready 
is be prepared for constipation. <laughs> um, constipation is very common to be expected for potty training because the child is going to be expected to pass a bowel movement in a different way that they haven't been familiar with before. So you can have prune juice handy or pears handy and try those first. Um, I do have to advise that if you have any concerns with your child's overall medical development, always contact your child's pediatrician, especially if constipation is going on for an extended period of time. It's always better to contact them to see if there's something else medically going on. What are the ages do you see, like the long-term of how long it takes for a child to be fully toilet trained and able to use the normal toilet that we have in the bathroom? So going back to the consistency piece and the readiness signs, I think those aspects are going to impact how long it takes a child to become fully potty trained. So if you start mm -hmm. early, then that's going to delay your the process of how long the child's going to be potty trained. If the child is cared for by multiple caregivers, well, grandma's doing it this way, but the parents are doing it this way, that can be confusing for the child. And so I think that definitely is going to impact the length of the time for the, the process too. And then also consistency. Um, if you start, you know, okay, I don't want to do diapers or pull-ups anymore, but then a couple days later, you put them back in a diaper or pull-up, well, I've just been out of them for a couple of days kind of regressing. So all of those things are going to impact how long the potty training process is, is going mm -hmm. to take. I will say though, um, that nighttime toilet training is not to be expected until closer to the age of four to five, only because the child's bladder isn't fully developed by then. So the goal is that once the child is full-time full daytime toilet train, but nighttime toilet training would become would become more natural. So just keep that in mind that it's okay to have your child still in a pull-up at nighttime only. It's the only time I recommend pull-ups for families is because it might not be anatomy or a, a, a bodily appropriate for them just because their bladder hasn't increased in size yet. Okay. So when going through the process of sort of toilet training, a parent shouldn't be worried about the fact that three or four and they're still sort of going through that process with them. Oh, absolutely not. I think I think families put too much pressure on themselves. I think society puts too much pressure on themselves. Um, I think it's totally a very realistic expectation that, yeah, even though I'm potty training my child, there are still going to be accidents, just like any milestone the child is going to com be completing, right? So when a child first starts learning to walk, they're still going to fall down, you know, with potty training, they're still going to have accidents. Um, I, some of my friends and clients have actually, that have older kids have actually told me that their pediatrician is recommending to wait closer to the age of three to even start toilet training just because regression is so common, um, under the age of, under the age of three and even that two and a half age point. So, um, I, I'm totally fine with knowing that those are some of the expectations that are going to happen and just being okay with it. Okay. Well, that's, that's very good to know. So what are the most prevalent obstacles that parents face when it comes to toilet training? I think, um, you know, I briefly mentioned if the child has a different caregiver you know, I had a client about a year or so ago where they committed fully to potty training and I was there to support them and the family was so excited and it worked. And then the child went back to the caregiver, the daytime caregiver, which was a grandparent, and the child had a complete regression. And it was mm -hmm. very hard for the family to understand that if the caregiver isn't willing to follow through with your strategies, then it's not going to work. And the parent just kept coming to me, well, what else can we do? What else can we do? Well, if you can't have that communication with that caregiver, there's really nothing else that we can do because you saw it work firsthand, the strategies. So I think if your child is cared for by 
somebody else during the day, whether that be a grandparent or a babysitter or a nanny or even a daycare, having open communication with that other person and establishing what your boundaries are and what your expectations are for your child's potty training routine and making sure that they're open to carrying through those strategies. Otherwise, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Um some other obstacles to keep in mind is if your child become is sensitive to light or sounds, you know, some of the public bathrooms are very overstimulating with those lights. And some of the automatic toilets that we have here in the States can be really loud. So, you know, your child might be sensitive to that. So just keep that in mind that they might be scared. Um, I think constipation is another common obstacle that parents struggle with, you know, how to overcome that is kind of what we already talked about. Just consulting with your pediatrician, if you have additional concerns, Mm -hmm. trying some um, natural food items like the pears or the prune juice to see if those help support your child. And then another aspect that might be an obstacle is just the power struggle between the parent-child relationship, right? So I think if parents go into the potty training process knowing, hey, I'm the one changing this expectation, <laughs> you know, from, you know, it's it's me. I'm the one that is changing this child's routine. Be mindful of that. You know, since the day you brought your child home from the hospital, they were in diapers and now, okay, diapers are all gone. There's going to be some pushback. There's going to be some resistance, but you are the one changing that expectation for your child. So just be mindful and try to have patience that, yeah, it it is going to be frustrating at times, but just try and be there to support your child as best as you can with this new routine. Mm -hmm. And I think like I've spoken to a couple of my friends who do have children and they, they had a son, for example, and for them, we were having this conversation about who was toilet because I was talking to her about this episode in particularly told her that this is coming up. And she was mentioning about how her son was being toilet trained by her father because of the sort of the different gender and sort of teaching them how to use it specifically for men. And then she was like, there's no way that I could have some influences to teaching. So how would you go about it if they were of a different gender, for example? Well, for toilet training boys, um, for that gender, I recommend starting from sitting on the toilet because the goal is, okay, let's just at least get him (laughs) toilet trained. And I think starting from sitting down is going to be easier. And that's more important than, okay, he has to stand up because that's what boys in that gender do. I think it is okay if the family's comfortable with um, uh, the same gendered caregiver inviting that child into the bathroom. Hey, do you want to see, you know, grandpa, grandpa has to go potty. Do you want to come with me if the parent feels okay with that relationship? Um, Because they do have the same anatomy, you know, the child can see the difference with that. But starting from sitting down, I think is 100% okay Mm -hmm. to still support your child. I think there's still ways to, to do that. Um, even though there's different genders. Okay. I can definitely let her know that then. (laughs) I think that's, that's a really good point. Cause, um, yeah, that was something that she is worried about. So she made sure that I would ask that. (laughs) No problem. No problem. Um, so and she what can is contact a potty training consultant directly too, since I do virtual go. sessions, it doesn't have to be just in the States. <laughs> well, there you go. I will definitely send over her, um, the link to your website in order to get into contact with you then. <laughs> um, so now we're going into the practice and habit part of the show. What is a practice that you do to improve your parenting when it comes to the process of toilet training your child? So are you referring to like what method I recommend as far as toilet training goes? Um, I think in ways, I think this gets a little bit more into what your practice is. So for example, I know with your child, it's not it's not quite there yet, but like, what are some of the things that you are currently doing to sort of promote the toilet training? 
so because I haven't potty trained my own son yet, um, you know, I consider my parenting style to be more of like research based and gentle parent based. Mm -hmm. So I try and incorporate those strategies as part of my parenting style um, and just make it kind of a more fun process for him, a little bit less stressful and more of kind of like this is just our daily. This is part of our daily routines. Um, so what are three good things that you've sort of figured out about this practice and sort of going through that daily routine with them? One aspect that I like about my parenting style is that I feel like I'm very patient with him. Um, I also feel like I'm very open-minded and I feel like I try and relate to him as best as I can with what he might be going through or what he might be feeling in different specific moments. Okay. Um, and in contrast, what are some challenges that you've sort of found sort of going through the gentle parenting style? Well, so with gentle parenting, you have to be really in check with your own <laughs> regulation. I mean, gentle yeah. parenting takes a lot of patience. It takes a lot of energy and it takes a lot of your own self-awareness as a parent. And sometimes at the end of the day, I'm just like, I, I need a, a mental break, you know? Um, but I think I do the best that I can. And do I sometimes yell? Yes, absolutely. I do. I'm not a perfect parent by any means, but I try to break the cycle in the sense that I was never apologized to as a child when my parents yelled at me. And so I feel like I'm very aware of that. If I yell at my son, he deserves an apology. That's not fair for him because I couldn't regulate my own emotions in that moment. Right. So, um, I think it takes a lot of effort, <laughs> but you have to be willing to try and willing to change, you know, what am, what did I do today that really worked and what did I do that I want to make different tomorrow? Just um, have that perspective and have that time to reflect on what went well for the, you that day, what didn't go well for you that day. Um, that's actually a question my husband and I ask each other at the end of every day. What went well for you today? What didn't go well for you? And we even ask our two-year-old son and he gets his time to speak. And I think that just, you know, I think a lot of times people focus on a lot of negatives that happen. And so I try and focus on some of the positives, but also showing, yeah, it's okay that this didn't go well for you either. I want that to be normal too, but also supportive. Okay. Well, that's actually a really nice way of sort of in introducing a sort of a gentle way of dealing with situations as well for, to regulate your son's emotions. So I, I definitely applaud. I know I've spoken to a lot of people about gentle parenting on this show so far, and a lot of people have said the exact same thing where it's, it's about regulating your own self and it is not the easiest thing in the world to do. I mean, you can barely do it with or without a child involved and trying to regulate with the child is twice as stressful. So I definitely commend you for that. <laughs> I do have to say, I actually feel like it's easier to regulate my own emotions with my own child than an adult. Sometimes, sometimes I just want to yell at an adult and, I, yeah. <laughs> you know, at least it's a good influence not to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, know. I know. I definitely feel like I'm more in check with my, my uh, emotions and self-regulation with my son. Well, that's great. Um, so this talks a little bit about would you recommend this practice to to everyone that you are talking to and to the audience as well? I think the best practice I would recommend is just being open to researching different parenting styles and, mm -hmm. you know, go based off what works best for you and your family. I, I've always been a very research-based person. I like to learn information and not everybody likes that. But I think just being open to it, I think is, is helpful, but there's definitely different pieces of different parenting styles that I feel like I take, Oh, I like the way that so-and-so did this. Oh, I don't want to do that. I want to be mindful of that. And I, I turn it into my own parenting style between me, between me and my husband and our family. 
Wow, that's it's like a custom. I like this, and yeah. I'll take this. Yeah, it's it's like a yeah. custom built car at the same time. Like in the, yeah. in regards to that. Yeah, but you also have to be open to learning about different information out there, and everyone is going to have advice. You know, <laughs> I mean, sometimes people will give you advice even when you didn't when you didn't ask for it. Um, you know, so you just have to take that. Yes, and I think I think that's a great way of going through it as well. Um, so now we've got going through the section of questions from audience. Um, there are quite a lot of questions, which is why I wanted a little bit more time to focus on them. Um, I think over the past few weeks, there's been a lot of questions that sort of built up. So we're very excited to actually get to go through them. I will do my best to answer them as best as I can. Okay, perfect. Uh, the first one is how to explain the feeling or the urge to pee to children. Oh, that's a good question. I think just talking to them about what your body is feeling. Oh, my body says I I have to pee. Listen, do you hear mommy's pee? It's coming out. Um, talking to them about, oh, sometimes I have to take a deep, deep breath, relax my body, and I will model for my son. <sighs> taking a deep breath. Oh, okay, my pee is coming out now. I think modeling them for language about what your body is feeling helps support language that they can use to communicate how their body is feeling. Um, <laughs> you can also demonstrate for them the sign language for potty training. Um, um, the sign for potty languages, or I have to go potty is you stick your thumb in between your index and middle finger and you wave your hand back and forth and you can find YouTube videos on that too, but just giving them an alternative means of communication. Um, kids at this age are also visual. You can have a picture of a potty or a toilet for them and have them point to it or go get the picture if their body is feeling like that urge to go, but they don't have the vocabulary to communicate that yet. Mm -hmm. So going back to what you were saying a little earlier about sort of connecting the verbal language to the bodily function, is that something that children react to? a little bit more efficiently? Well, I think that children can't learn language unless they're exposed to it, right? So mm -hmm. giving them certain phrases and modeling for them, they will repeat it back to you. Kids under the age of three, their brains are like sponges. They're like, I just want to take in all of this information that I can. And then how do I, you know, transfer that throughout my daily routine? So I think the language that you use in your family, they will pick up on that 100%. Kids are, kids are very observant and they want to learn and they want to be a part of what their parents are doing. Perfect. Okay. So the next one is, how can I encourage my child to use the potty instead of relying on the diaper? So I don't think we've, we've talked about this, but the method that I recommend is called the bare bottom method. And what that method really looks like is you've reviewed the signs of child's readiness you feel like your child's ready for, you know, full-time potty training. And what you do is you wake up one day, okay, no more diapers. And you pump your child with liquids and fluids and they are not in a diaper, not in underwear, not in pull-ups for at least three days. <laughs> so okay. um, that's the method that I recommend because you the purpose of toilet training is you're giving them a new place to release their urine or bowel movement is on the toilet or potty. Pull-ups have a very similar texture to diapers. So really it's, there's not really a change, a change there texture wise. The, the feeling will still feel the same. So during those three days, I recommend, um, no family outings, <laughs> no, no yeah. trip to the store, um, no TV time. You will be a helicopter parent for at least three, three days and watching signs that your child might have to use the bathroom. Um, depending on how many liquids you're giving your child, they might have to go urinate before two hours or right around the two hour mark, depending on how much they're intaking. 
Um, mm-hmm. So signs to look for that they actually have to use the potty is, are they doing like the potty dance? <laughs> are they crossing their legs? Are they hiding? Um, are they touching their private area? Those are some signs to look out for that the child has to use the potty. Mm-hmm. So then what you would do is guide the child. Oh, I'm seeing your body might have to use the potty. Let's go try. Try and avoid asking the question, do you have to go potty or can we try to go potty? Because that gives the child the option to say no. So instead make it matter of fact, I see your body has to use the bathroom We're gonna or potty. We're going to go to the bathroom now, something like that. Take them to the toilet and, you know, encourage them to release that way. Mm-hmm. This method removes the diapers like that one, uh, you know, going back to the beginning of the question. And once you commit to no diaper or once you commit to the potty training process, I do not recommend going back to diapers at all. Pull-ups only at, at nighttime. Okay. Did that answer the question? Yes. No, that definitely did. Um, it fits in really nicely to the next question. Um, how do I handle or react to accidents and setbacks during toilet training? So try and normalize accidents as much as as much as possible. We want to try and avoid having the child feel ashamed or embarrassed. Um, you can use a phrase such as I'm, I'm giving these phrases as examples, but feel free to change the language with what works best for your family. So an example might be, uh Oh, we didn't make it to the potty on time. We can try next time. You know, um, you can come get mommy or daddy or, or caregiver. Um, and we can go to the potty with you. Do you want to see mommy go to the potty next time too? Um, things like that make it normalized. Um, It'll help feel the child less ashamed and embarrassed. Oh, well, we got to clean it up. Okay, we can try again. Okay. So when dealing with the reaction to the situation, how important is it to not sort of react quickly to the accidents? I think, well, I think it's, that's going back to how do we regulate our emotions? Because I think our first instinct, and I'm guilty of it too. Um, a couple weeks ago, my son, we took him out of the bathtub and he was naked and he ran right into the bath, into his bedroom and he urinated all over his, his chair, his uh, rocking chair. So my first reaction was, Oh my gosh. And I saw him, he got startled from my reaction. So I tried to fix it quickly. Oh, that's okay, buddy. It happens. We'll clean it. We'll fix it. Let's put you on a diaper. So I think just being in check with your emotions, knowing that accents are going to happen mm-hmm. and just try and be mindful about that as best as you can. I think being kind of that helicopter parent is going to maybe make it easier on you because you'll be really focusing for signs your child's body is showing that they have to use the bathroom and try and get them into that bathroom as quick, quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. So I think you mentioned earlier about not going to family function or any functions or going out. When, so going out, when should be the stage that they're sort of ready to be able to go outside without a diaper? Well, ideally, if you are committing to potty training for that three, at least three days at home, then you can start putting the child in underwear and then maybe you can start by taking them to small places, you know, that aren't too far from home. Again, if the child gets overstimulated easily, you just want to be mindful of, you know, okay, we're going to be coming up to that two hour mark where my child hasn't urinated or passed a bowel movement. I don't know if my child will be comfortable going to the bathroom in a public setting. Let's try and get home within this two hour time frame. The, the two hour mark is a good indicator for parents because that's about how long they should be able to hold their urine for mm-hmm. again, depending on how much liquids they're in taking at the time, but um, just trying to make it as comfortable for your child as possible. Okay. After, after those like three to five days, however long you commit to being at home, I'm okay with you putting the child in the underwear um, and just doing pull-ups at night. Again, pull-ups are very similar texture to diapers and it doesn't really make sense. Okay, well, you've been out without a diaper and pull-up for three to five days. Let's put you back in one after this new time frame. That's kind of a little bit of regression in my opinion. Okay. So is there a way, is there something in between pull-ups and underwear that 
can be used or is it either just straight from pull-ups under the underwear phase? Well, I, I, I would skip pull-ups period, unless it's for nighttime use only, only. So I would, my plan when I potty train my child is just to go from diapers to the underwear and pull-ups at night because it's not appropriate for him to be nighttime potty trained yet. So he he is still going to have accidents at night. So that's my plan. But there's really, from what I've seen, there's really no in between, um, for, for that. I think pull-ups can sometimes be more of like a marketing because they do have the concept of the underwear where the child has to pull up and pull down, but it's that texture that's, you know, so similar to diapers where the child won't feel a difference. Mm -hmm. And this next question is actually really interesting. How can parents differentiate between a child who's not ready for toilet training versus a child who's experiencing difficulties during toilet training? I think if you're concerned your child's having difficulties, you can always talk to your pediatrician and say, this is what we've tried. Um, The pediatrician might look for at those signs from the medical standpoint. And I think that might be a good indicator for parents. Okay, we're ruling out there's something medical. Maybe let's try and change our approach. Um, Mm -hmm. I think the families have to be willing to change. Okay, well, this this is what we're doing and it's not working, but we're still expecting results. So what can we do or try differently? Okay. So there really is no kind of um, sign between differentiating someone who's not ready for toilet training at all. Like, how can you tell that they're just not ready? I think going back, just educating yourself on the signs and just knowing your child, if they're really resisting and fighting you on it, then maybe they just aren't ready. And it would be better emotionally for all of you guys to take a step back and then try again in a couple in a couple of months. Or if you do feel like they are ready, then you do need to be consistent with it and say, this is what we're, we're doing. So it goes back to knowing what you you know, you have to really take a look at your child and know your child and know the signs to look for what your child can handle. Okay. Now, um, are there any medical or sort of developmental issues that can make toilet training a little bit more challenging than usual? Yeah. If the child has a developmental or diagnosis like Down syndrome or autism, you know, we can't expect necessarily those children to be showing signs of readiness or start toilet training at the average age of 27 months, right? So I think um, the medical and developmental diagnosis is definitely going to impact when a child is going to be ready for toilet training. Okay. Um, Now, what are the pros and cons of toilet training children by having them either sit or stand? Yeah, I think I think a con as far as trying to have them stand right off the bat is for one can does your child have the attention span to just stand there and also it might go everywhere too. Whereas while they're sitting, it can be a little bit more contained. So I wouldn't put pressure on trying to have them stand right away. I think just focusing on teaching them what the new expectation is, teaching them signs about their body, I think that's definitely more important than how they're doing it standing or standing. Yeah. Okay. Um, can a child who has been toilet trained be untrained again? Definitely. I definitely, I think regression is very, very common. Um, some things that might trigger it is again, that consistency, are there different caregivers doing toilet training the, a different way? I think if a family has a change in their routine, such as are, did they move recently? Um, you know, they're, the child will be in a new environment. Are they at a new daycare? Did you just, did your family just welcome a new baby? Mm-hmm. Um, did your child transition from a crib to a toddler bed? Did you guys just travel or go on vacation? Those are all changes in a child's routine that can impact um, you know, a regression. And Mm -hmm. I also recommend avoiding starting the toilet training process around any of those 
changes because your child will most likely regress. So hold off on toilet training until you guys are back in your normal routine. But know if your child has already been potty training, that those are instances where regression might occur. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to the routine, how influential is the whole idea of like a normal systematic routine to toilet training? I think children in general respond to routine and they respond to structure. I think it's like the idea of knowing what's going to happen and what's going to come next. I think children thrive on that predictability. And I like to have my routine too. Um, Routines look different for everybody. Okay. That, um, you know, whatever changes that are going to occur, that's going to impact how your child responds to a new expectation. Okay. Um, And the last question is, what can be done to speed up the process with sort of a late starter in the whole toilet training process? I don't like the phrase speed up because I think that's more parent centered instead of child centered. Um, Mm -hmm. And I just like to meet the child where they are at developmentally. So I think if the parent is okay changing their perspective a little bit and saying, hey, what is the main reason that I'm doing this for? Is this because I'm doing this because I just don't want my child in diapers or pull-ups anymore? Or is my child really ready and I'm supporting my child based on where they're at? Um, I think consistency is going to always impact, like I said a couple times already, that's going to impact the success and outcome of the potty training process. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's perfect. And it leads us into the last section of the show, which is the open mic. Uh, I guess you have a chance to talk about anything that you are passionate about um, and anything or anything that you're currently working on. So during the last few minutes, do you mind just sort of sharing anything that I'd love to give you the floor and that you can share anything that you are passionate about or you love to share with our audience? Yeah, I think, you know, um, my passion is definitely um, coming out of the infertility um, aspect. Now that I'm a mom, I I think infertility is never going to go away from me. Um, You know, I still have a lot of friends that are struggling and going through it. And I don't know that we will be able to expand our family anymore um, because my infertility history. So infertility will always be a passion of mine, just trying to be able to support others, other couples, other women going through that, just knowing that they can come to me as a resource. I'm definitely very passionate about educating others about what infertility looks like. Um, I'm also very passionate about child development. I think that's one of um, the areas that is a strength of mine. Um, and currently I'm, I'm actually really excited to announce that by the end of the month, I'm going to be starting to offer newborn sleep consulting services officially on my website. So even though I earned those certifications about a year and a half, almost (laughs) two years ago, it's been a lot of work just trying to start up a business and start, you know, offering potty training consulting services. But I'm finally at the point of, I can start offering a new, another service on my on my website as uh, part of my consulting company. So I'm so excited to be getting ready to do that. Um, and I'm looking forward to um, how else I can continue to grow my company and just develop myself as a person and just continue to expand my career and help others. Well, congratulations on that. I can't wait to see that progress even further. Um I think, I think it's incredible. And I think especially the way that we are parenting today, it definitely does need a lot of support. And I'm glad that now there is a lot more availability to support upcoming parents or expecting parents throughout their process. Um, and I, that's honestly why I love hosting this show, because there are so many different ways that so many different kinds of support that parents need that each guest comes on and they're definitely willing to fulfill that sort of gu- and guide that a little bit further. So I I can't wait to see that grow even further and congratulations on that. Thank you. Thank you so much. I think, you know, what was hard about me becoming a new parent is because I do have this background in child development, but that infertility aspect, I couldn't mentally and emotionally allow myself to do 
you know, research. And I, I pride yeah. myself on being a very research-based parent, but I couldn't accept that this was finally happening for me. So, um, yeah, my son's sleep was very, very challenging. I didn't know anything about newborn wake windows. I didn't, you know, anything, know anything about his feeding it. You know, my son had a lot, he was losing a lot of weight when he was first born and, um, come to find out he had a tongue and lip tie and that was impacting his nursing. So the first three months of his life were very, very tough. And a lot of it had to do because I couldn't come to terms to, to research anything and finally got to the point where something needs to change. And that's when I found um, the Institute of Pediatric Sleep and Parenting. And I'm like, well, this is, this is great. Now I can help, (laughs) I can help others. And, you know, I don't ever want a family to go through what I went through those first three months of my son's life. It was, it was one of the toughest things I had ever done. Well, it's great that you get to now share your knowledge and also personal experience with it in sort of guiding that even further. And it's it's amazing that you're able to do that now. Thank you. Um, I also do want to thank you so much for joining me onto the show and sort of talking about uh, toilet training and also the different ways that ch- children need assistance from parents. I think it's it's amazing how you don't realize how much help a child does need throughout their developmental process and just as they go through life and especially in those early first first few years. We've talked a lot about um, middle school and so when they start schooling, but we don't haven't really gotten in-depth into before that. So I'm really glad that we got to sort of have an introductory into that today. So thank you so much for sort of guiding us through that. Absolutely. And feel free to invite me back if you want to talk about about child development. I'd be more than happy to come back. And I really appreciate this opportunity. And it's been so nice talking with you. And I hope I was able to answer a lot of a lot of the questions for the audience and for you. Yes, no, I'm I'm definitely sure you did. Um, If there's a way that audiences would like to further get into contact with you, uh, is there a way that they are able to? Yeah, they can reach out to me on my website, bbabyconsulting.com. Um, I have information about the services that I provide on there. And I have also uh, resources that we talked about today as far as books, goes for parent support, and also for uh, child development about the toilet training process, product rec- recommendations. And then I also have a contact form on that uh, website that they can reach out to me directly. And then also, Dina, if there is a way that you can share my website with them, also feel free to send post the link as well. Oh, yes, I definitely will post the link in the description below on on our YouTube channel and will definitely be there for all the audience members to see and just be at the touch of a button. So that's that's amazing. It's also a lot uh, really helpful to have the resources on your website as well. So everything is pretty much there. You've pretty much done the work for us, I would say. <laughs> yeah, I, um, the uh, listeners go to the website. I also have links uh, on my website that can uh, direct you to my LinkedIn page, my Facebook page, um, things like that. So there's other means to contact me too. Okay, perfect. I'll definitely have that available for the audience members down below. Um, thank you so much for listening guys. And it was amazing to get to talk about this today. Um, we've got so many other different shows that's coming up and I'm so excited to share it with you. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening and I'll see you guys in the next episode. You've been listening to Raising Parents, the Parenting Science Insights podcast produced by the Parenting Science Labs, a division of LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. More episodes are available from 10 Life Management Perspectives and can be found by searching LMSL on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcasting apps available on your smartphone. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, share, and subscribe to our channel so that other people can find it and we can continue to provide quality content. More of our work can be found on our website at pa.lmsl.net, where you can join our movement. I'm Dina Sargent, and thanks for tuning in.